Hello and welcome to the 13th episode of Wildfire Matters. We made it to a new year, Jennifer. We did. We had a whole year of great podcasts. I'm excited for this year. I am too. We have a good lineup for this year and so welcome back. And this podcast, we cover all aspects of wildland fire management for Bureau of Land Management or BLM. We talk to the people behind the scenes who help manage and protect our public lands. Many dedicating their lives to the profession. Today, Jennifer and I are talking with Kelly Woods, director of the Lessons Learned Center, serving the wildland fire community. Welcome, Kelly. So nice to be here with you ladies. Yeah, welcome, Carrie. Thank Carrie. <laughs> Kelly, thank you for joining <laughs> us. I was looking at Carrie. <laughs> well, welcome to you, too. <laughs> for our listeners, we all go way back. We've been in mm-hmm. fire for a long time together, so Kelly's now a Park Service employee, but worked for the BLM, Forest Service, and U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So she's got a varied past, so we're excited to have her here. Yes, a varied <laughs> past. <laughs> Very colorful. Yeah, I think this is probably our third or fourth person we would said. We have like 20 plus years of great memories and awesome time working together. So Kelly's yes. yep. joining that group with us. Yes. So we're happy to have you here and to start off our new season and to start off the podcast, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started? Yeah, sure. Um, I I started, well, when I was in high school, my high school track coach worked for the Forest Service, and, and he thought I might enjoy working in wildland fire. He talked to me about it, and um, I kind of I wasn't sure I really wanted to do it at the time. I grew up uh, outside, kind of at the base of Mount Hood. And I was working in Christmas tree farms and I had a rhododendron and azalea nursery. And I loved I loved the people I worked for. They were so good to me. And I, I thought, do I really wanna do I really wanna do this? And he talked to me about it repeatedly. And my parents were like, You should do this. They I think they kind of saw dollar signs for <laughs> you know, so it's hilarious. My my parents actually completed my first SF-171. You remember those big oh, forms yes. that were, <laughs> they completed that. And I, I saw it the other day in my EOPF and my experience in my first SF-171 that my parents put together was, my experience block was six sentences long. <laughs> <laughs> really stellar. But anyway, so I, I applied uh, on the Mount Hood National Forest and, and I got picked up. I was 17 when I got picked up. So I was actually, I'm one of those people that was legitimately a GS1 for, a, for oh, wow. my first fire season it's because they hired me. The first. Yeah, that is a first. <laughs> they hired me at 17. I was at fire school on my 18th birthday. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so it, I was at fire school, turned 18 finished fire school that Friday and the, the next Monday our type two crew got mobilized and we went to the Deschutes and did a bunch of really smoke chasing right out of the Redmond Air Center and I was <laughs> instantly hooked. I loved it. I loved it. I loved, you know, it was back to when we worked 36 hour shifts or whatever it was like and so I was up all night long and here's fire and excitement and hiking and you know, hard work. I hated the food. <laughs> I have to say, I was a really picky eater back then. And fire, uh, a career in fire has cured me of being a super picky eater. But, <laughs> but so it was really awesome. I had a great time there on, on the Mount Hood and, and did a few seasons seasons there on a Type 2 crew. Then I went to a hotshot crew. I was on a hotshot crew. Um, and then I was lucky and got my um, a permanent job offer pretty really young really, really young, um, 
So I left the Ochoco National Forest and came over to Idaho to the Payette National Forest where I got my, my permanent job. I was going back to school in the, during the school year uh, and, and did that, got my degree, got a permanent job and started working up on the Payette. And up on the Payette, I was uh, working on engines at first. And um, that's where I first heard the name Jennifer Miss Livy too. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I was on engines, and then I ended up going over to Rappel there. And in the wintertime, one of the really cool pieces of my, I think, career development was I wasn't someone who did really well in the off-season just being laid off and skiing. I know that's, like, totally crazy. I skied, but I didn't just I, – I went and worked in the supervisor's office, so I was – working on an EIS and doing work in the public affairs shop there in the winter yes. time. Yeah. Oh, environmental <coughs> impact statement. So working on NEPA stuff uh, was Frank Church plan and, and stuff like that. So so was working my winters in public affairs and, and summers on engines and um, rappelling. And then I came down to the Boise National Forest, which is where I met Carrie yes. Bilbao, uh, <laughs> and got to work a little bit more directly with Jennifer. And I did a prevention job at the supervisor's office there. And that was a really cool stop for me in my career. I feel like on the Payette, I really honed a lot of my fire skills, doing the IC gig, doing a lot of stuff like that. When I came to the Boise, I got to run a program and manage a big budget and do some cool things there. Uh, Kind of going from suppression to fire prevention type mitigation work to yeah, yeah yeah it was really cool and during that time I did some details to uh, various various other things so I think again details have been really cool in in my life uh, so then I went Fish and Wildlife Service in a national and kind of a split position doing you know prevention mitigation information type of work. Uh, and from there, I went <laughs> back to the Forest <laughs> Service in um, training development with NWCG. And uh, that was a pretty sweet, sweet gig, too. I wasn't there too terribly long before BLM snagged me over for um, the Great Basin Training Center manager. And that's that was a great job. It's, I think it's one of the best jobs <laughs> anyone could have at the fire center. It's a lot of fun, a lot of cool opportunities there. I worked with awesome folks. So I was there for about eight years, and then I've been with the Wildland Fire Lessons Learn Center for um, going on three years now. Yeah. So that's how you started. Um, what drove you to the Lessons Learn Center? It's just a cool opportunity to, uh, you know, try something different. It's, it's not the formality of the training program, you know, where you have very specific standards and all of those things, it's got a little bit different spin on things. It's more about the learning and the education and not as much about the formal training. So it's, it's a really cool, cool opportunity to do something, do something new and, and, you know, challenge myself in different ways, I guess. And again, I get to work with a really cool group of folks. So, yeah. So what um, what is Lessons Learned Center for those that may not know? <laughs> yeah, the the Wildland Fire Lessons Learned Center is it was born 
of the same effort that the Wildland Fire Leadership Program was born out of. So, uh, and what that effort was, was in 1994, we had 34 fatalities in Wildland Fire. Um, 14 of those came from the South Canyon Fire, you know, where we saw smoke jumpers, hot shots, and hell attack die on the hill. So overall, in that season, we had 34 fatalities, and the secretaries of the Interior and Ag said to fire leadership, you know, federal fire leadership, <laughs> you guys need to look at this. What's what's happening? Right. What what's happening, and what do you need to do to prevent that from happening in the future? So they they challenged them to 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 look to reflect on what's happening and make some changes. And so the federal fire agencies tasked this uh, tri-data study that you've probably heard of. Uh, so the tri-data study looked at us, looked at why, you know, what was our safety culture like? How were we training people? What were we doing? And out of the tri-data study, it was highlighted that, one, we should have a <laughs> leadership development program, right? Not just managers and not just supervision, but really develop leaders and so that's where we got that you know the L curriculum staff rides um, sand table exercises reading you know readers are leaders program that kind of stuff and at the same time they said we need to develop a center for learning in wildland fire you know we would we had reports and things from we you know study events but it was there was no real focus on the learning from them. So they established the Wildland Fire Lessons Learn Center. And the Wildland Fire Lessons Learn Center, when it was being formed, they really studied the Army, you know, Lessons Learn Center. What was the Army doing? How are they managing? Where, you know, in the leadership development, they were looking at a lot of cool stuff that the Marine Corps was doing. So both both of these efforts that were really groundbreaking, stuff that the three of us did not have when we started our careers, right? So they, we, they looked at what these military entities were doing, and so um, it was very, very cool, very innovative. So that's kind of the charge of the Lessons Learned Center is our, our actual mission statement is to promote learning in the Wildland Fire Service by providing useful and relevant products and services that help reveal the complexity and risk <laughs> in the wildland fire environment. So that's our whole big <coughs> mission statement. But really what that means is we are there to facilitate learning, to advocate learning, to you know, try and focus on what can we learn from this event instead of like who's at fault for this event. So that's, that's a lot of the lines of effort that we do have that in mind, facilitating learning. So yeah, and like when they uh, when we do have an incident, and it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be a fatality; it could be just an injury or, or something that happens. Um, we do have investigation teams that go out and they review all that, and mm -hmm. that's all part of your program, right? They take that information and then, or you turn that into teachable kind of learning products for yeah. Yeah, we, we don't necessarily like write the reports. A lot of people right. out there think, oh, well, the, your report on this or that, and we're not writing them. We're, we're gathering them and analyzing. It's, it's interesting because one of the first things, so we just had our 20-year you know, anniversary for, since the Lessons Learned Center has been established. 
And one of the first missions for the Wildland Fire Lessons Learned Center was to establish a spot where people could find, you know, that where we could house reports and, and lessons so people could find them. Because you think back to the the days when, you know, you'd get a report. I mean, pre-email, you'd get a hard copy. <laughs> yeah. You have to have that hard copy to thumb through at your desk in order to figure out what happened, what kinds of recommendations or lessons were, were there, right? And we, we entered the email era, and you still would have to get it emailed to you so you would have those lessons. So we established, I mean, this was before my time, obviously, <laughs> but a, a database that's searchable. So you can go in and you can look up reports, things from the 1910 fires. You can certainly find South Canyon, Dude. I mean, all these fires from all over, you know, across our, our collective history, all these events, you can find that stuff. So that's part of it, making the lessons accessible, understanding what happened, you know, reading and, and, and studying it. So the, the incident review database was a huge thing to be able to, to make sure that those things didn't get lost on a shelf somewhere, right? So then what we do is part of our work is take, take reports. You know, they may be serious accident investigations. They may be facilitated learning analysis. Um, they may be um, rapid lesson sharing. They may be lesson learn reviews. I mean, there's all kinds of reviews out there. We get those, those reports that come in and we study them. And they kind of become data points for us where we can say, this, these things happen on this fire, these things happen on this fire, and we can look for clusters of events and, and have an, you know, do an analysis to try and look at why things are happening or how things are happening and study what we might need to change or we, put, we at least put light on what might be an issue out there that we want to try and address either through policy or, or behavior. So we do a lot of that kind of stuff. We, we, we talk <coughs> a lot, we study a lot, we read a lot, <laughs> we write some. That's the kind of stuff we do. And the, and the variety of lessons that are in there across the board. So a lot of people think, oh, it's all the Western fires. And, and it's really not. Mm -hmm. I went on there for another project and looked, and there's stuff in Maine, there's stuff in Michigan, there's stuff in Wisconsin, Florida. So it's across the board on what information is out there, as well as some of the stuff like staff rides. I mean, there's Absolutely. things, there's a variety of things that are on that, that location for Lessons Learned Center. Yeah, our database is searchable, which is kind of cool, too. Like if... If you're on a crew or you're going single resource or something to a different part of the nation, you can go in and you can search by what's happened in Maine or what's happened in Michigan or wherever you might be going and check, check it out, see what kind of lessons exist. And I think a, another thing, sometimes there's success lessons, right? It doesn't that's something we want people sharing the successes that they're they're learning too. So you can yeah, you can what search. works, what doesn't yeah. work. Exactly. What what have they learned and why and was it good? Is it something they do different? What it's kind of with the lessons, you know, we like to think about what do you know now that you wish you had known before, right. right? That's a really great way to prompt what are the lessons that that I'm taking away here from this event? You mentioned something about staff rides, and I, mm -hmm. maybe some people don't understand or know what staff rides are and mm -hmm. what 
what the purpose is. Can yeah. you explain those a little bit? Yeah, staff rides are an awesome, it's an experiential learning, right? It's it's up on the on the site. You the, you walk the steps of the people that were were there before. So um, it's there's three distinct pieces of a staff ride. There's what we call the preliminary study, and there's a site visit, and then there's the integration. And the preliminary study is up front before you ever get to the site on the ground. You need to read. You need to understand the events that occurred there. You know, and you build this kind of picture in your head of who was where, what happened, what the space looked like, how things were, you know, moving across the landscape, whether it's a, a fire or a Civil War battle or something like that, right? What be all studied up on the details and facts of the event as, as they're recorded. Then you go to the site, and at the site, you're part of a group that has these discussions where you're actually getting people's different perspective, understanding, digging way deeper into what, what happened while you're standing there. You can see the distance, right? You can walk the steps and try and understand that. So that's, that's the um, site visit piece. And then the integration piece is actually a really key piece. It's where you, you, you have to think about and internalize what it is you're going to take away. And, and most often, there is a, a time when everyone who participated in the staff ride at an integration has to share a key takeaway for them that's going to, you know, as they say, become part of their soul, right? Like it's like you're going to take it back and you're going to be changed forever by this. So it's an integration. I mean, most of the time when we leave a, a training, I mean, I was a training center manager. I sat <laughs> through a lot of trainings and people get their certificate and walk out the door, right? But a, a staff ride, it's a lot more of sure an more. Deep dive into it's emotional too. Yeah, there's an what emotional happened. response. It's exactly what I was going to say, Jennifer. It's it's very emotional for people, and so it becomes more committed to to change your behavior or you know be a little affected on a different level. Sometimes you know we'll hear crews say, "Yeah, we were driving by through Glenwood Springs. We stopped and and did a staff ride and hiked up to the observation point." That's not a step, right? You know, I mean, it's awesome. Never miss the opportunity to learn like that, right? But that's that's a site visit or something, but it's not a staff ride. It's really like the whole experience. Yeah, yeah. And I like that the staff rides are a variety. Like you said, you have the South Canyon or you have Yarnell, but you also have Gettysburg. So you're mm -hmm. learning from different aspects and not always fire. So you're learning from those different perspectives too, which is what I like. It's very cool. I was super lucky and got to be the uh, course coordinator for the L580 at Gettysburg for quite a few years in, in my previous job. So I've been to Gettysburg a lot, and, and that was a major awesome thing. You take something new away every time you're there. But... It is a really amazing, and, and there's there's safety in being able to stand there. None of those players, clearly, that were at the Civil War are still living. So you can really, it's it, you can be, have really robust discussions and question things and study things and ponder things and consider the whole context on a different level. You know, sometimes, not, not always, but sometimes when we go to a fire staff, right, it's, it's harder not to dig into the tactics or really get, you know, sort of, and then it can be hard if it's 
might you know people who yeah. are involved it's it's Second different guessing. yeah so so i i definitely i think a variety is very cool to be able to go to some fire ones uh, just a couple months ago first time i ever got to do the dude fire staff ride and it was it was pretty amazing so those the fire ones are great but yeah the variety is is very cool and there are lessons learned from that that you can take to fire absolutely because they're leadership these yeah. are people yeah. you know it's it's how did people interact who was leading who was following who was sharing what message what you know what were the personalities like so that's where that that's you know preliminary studies huge who were the people sitting at the table when the decisions were made and you know it's pretty cool get a feel for like just what were they thinking what were they feeling in that situation yeah and you know that's i think that's such a great question as we have a mindset of learning right is to be to ask ourselves you know what what were they thinking and not like what were they thinking yeah, exactly. but really that you know what were they thinking and at at the lessons learned center our guiding document is it's called learning in the wildland fire service and it's a companion document to leading in the wildland fire service and in learning in the wildland fire service we have three pillars of learning in wildland fire and they're really cool i think it's great the first one is inquiry and inquiry is just that being curious about what happened and why and kind of asking that what, what were they thinking why did they do that what did they see that made them make those decisions so just having that curiosity and in, in inquiry the second pillar of learning is opportunity. How are we creating opportunities to be learners? Or, you know, when we're the leader, how are we creating opportunities for our crews or our people, our subordinates to, to be learners, you know? And then the third pillar is, is dialogue. And, and that's such a huge piece of it. And, you know, you, you have to, I am such a, you guys know me, I'm a very <laughs> verbal person. I have to externally process and talk through as, as I learn. So that dialogue is really important to me to, to like frame things up and reconsider it in different ways and to truly learn. This is why I love like book clubs and stuff like that, right? I like to talk my way through it. But even if you're not you know particularly extroverted just the, even the internal dialogue just the formal acknowledgement and talking your way through to figure stuff out so yeah we always talk about those three pillars inquiry opportunity and and dialogue and you get all of them on a staff ride right or you know in some of these more um experiential learning events some of that more on the maybe the upper level uh, classes that we take in fire to you mentioned mm -hmm. 580 is that l580 l580 yeah it's called uh, leadership is action and you know <coughs> one of the things that that is also sort of a tenant of of learning in the wildland fire service is just the notion that when we start you know when i was that 17 year old idiot right out of <laughs> high school right gs1 um <laughs> like I needed more training at that time. I needed to attend training and understand how to run a chainsaw, how to, you know, use a hose lay, how to, 
you know, see what the fire, where to put my fire line, all those kinds of things. That training component is real heavy in the beginning, right? And then as we advance in our career and evolve, we get into more of an education piece, right? Like when was the last time you guys were in a formal training class? It's probably been a while, right? But you yeah, probably yeah. do a lot of <laughs> a lot of education yeah. stuff. So so there's actually there's there's logic, you know, behind that and, and it is it is kind of the progression of, of a career. I also think, too, of doing different things in your career. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I want to be on a hot truck or I want to do that. And that's that's totally great. But like a lot of us, we have different areas. Mm-hmm. So like you said, you went into do details and opportunities mm-hmm. in wintertime, which gives you a broader view of fire management in the wildland fire community where you're learning and edu- same thing. So I think that's those are great opportunities to remind folks that mm-hmm. take those advantages of those opportunities that are out there. Absolutely. It's, they, it has just been huge for me and my development. Like you try new things and it's temporary, right? And maybe yep. you learn you, you really enjoy it. Maybe you learn you don't enjoy it so much, but it makes you, makes you better at your own job, right? You bring back new perspective and, and maybe some new skills. So yeah, I, I, I think that's something people, re- we are so lucky. Like my brothers, cracks me up. One brother is a dentist. <laughs> one brother is a lineman for, the, you know, PGE. They've been doing, that's what they, they, he's a dentist. He doesn't go on a detail as an orthodontist <laughs> or anything. He's a dentist, you know. My other brother, it's a lineman. That's what he does. And I'm the one that's changed jobs yep. or does all yeah. this different stuff. It's it's really interesting yeah. to me. And we, we are very lucky in natural resource management at, at large, but fire, that we, we get these opportunities to just try something new and it's only going to last 120 days if, you know, yeah. I can do anything for 120 <laughs> days. That's true. That's true. And not saying that hot shotting is not cool because it's, oh, it's, cool, totally it's totally cool. Oh, it's totally cool. Totally cool. I mean, there's some, oh yeah, if everyone just has that opportunity, I think so for sure. But I just didn't want to say. Yeah, that shotting. was, you know, I didn't mention that um, when I was on the payette, right when I got my permanent job, I did my summer there in, you know, in Council, Idaho on the, on the engine but that winter, I I was like, was I 21 or 22 years old or something? And I got to go be on the Asheville hotshot crew over, you know, in North Carolina and yeah. burning all these really cool new um, fuel types for me, fight fire in those fuel types. You know, just I was young. I got to go live. I had a place to live. I had a job and I had instant friends, you know, right after uh college graduation so you know that was a pretty awesome awesome experience and I feel like it uh, like I said I evolved a lot as a fire person getting to see that but just as a as a person you know it was fun developing your work skills and abilities yes. as long as uh, with your personal exactly <laughs> exactly yeah, this job like I said we've said this over and over takes you some amazing places it does it absolutely does I mean you think about the things we've seen and done um and got paid for it you know that's pretty pretty darn cool it is for sure so as director of the Lessons Yes, <laughs> shoot, <laughs> go for it. What do you do exactly? What is your job? My job is, um, you know, I think like m- most of us these days, a lot of teams meetings, <laughs> you know, a lot of teams meetings. But um, I get to do some really cool things. Um, you know, I do a lot of writing. I do a lot of reading. And I do a lot of talking. I'm on a lot of um, committees uh, Jennifer and I are on a committee together right now, um, and I 
my role on most of these groups is to advocate for learning, which is fun because it is it is interesting and it's it's trying to get people to look at things a little differently. So I, I, I really appreciate that. But I get to do some other really cool things. Um, you know, last fall I went to Gettysburg twice to be a, um, a conference group leader at Staff Rides, which was awesome. I went to Yarnell Staff Ride. I went to the Dude Fire Staff Ride. Um, and I got to as part of that, not just, oh, I got to go be a conference group leader at these staff rides, but I got to really connect with awesome people from different agencies, different levels of the organization. And that's really important for us at the Lessons Learned Center to stay connected to the ground, stay connected to what's happening at, you know, a state office or a forest level or a regional office or all of those things, because sometimes you know, when you're at the gates of NIFSI, you're inside there. It's hard to remember to look out, yeah. right? So being out and about in those kinds of things is is really, really huge. And our whole staff works hard at that. You know, uh, we've got Travis up in Washington, and he's doing duty officer up, you know, at the local units up there. He's teaching RT-130 or whatever it is. Um We've got Alex down in Tucson. He's, you know, teaching sections of classes at, uh, you know, Northern Arizona University or, or whatever, stuff like that. Um, Eric down in California, he's working with the Trek stuff and different things. So we're kind of all intermixed trying to do stuff locally um, and and just make sure that learning, that we remember <laughs> Learning is important, you know, we've got to, if we, learning is the biggest way that we can positively affect change in our, in our community. If we, if we don't, if we have this fear of talking about things or looking at what may have been, what could have been done differently or how we, you know, what, what broke down or whatever, if we want to, if we look at that and break it apart without a fear of what might happen if we talk about it, then we're going to become more efficient. We're going to be safer. We're going to be better professionals at the job that we do, right? So that's the, our staff likes to interject all of those things. And, and there's great, we have so many great learners out in our, you know, in our community that we, we tie in with all the time. And, and that's why I do like to to, to get out. But those are some of the things that I do, uh, you know, get getting out and about and and just trying to talk to people, see what we need to, to do better or where people might need some help. Yeah, that's so important too because if you don't connect and you don't look at things that happen like that, like they said, there was an issue after those fires early, before the Lessons Learned Center was developed, um, we have to do something and people mm -hmm. aren't looking at these things and yeah we'll repeat the things we yeah. don't right exactly. that we don't acknowledge and say now there's an issue how are we going to address that and you know the whole tri-data study right that was hey what's kind of eye yeah uh, what do we need sure. to do different to keep this from happening uh, in the future so yeah right so how did all the experiences that you had from all these different agencies and just your career is very 
very like we said <laughs> from engines to hot shot crew repelling um prevention education training how does it all prepare you for the job you're doing now i think you know it's anytime you you know i, I mean we've all been on job panels right and anytime somebody you ask somebody a question like that people their default response is my diverse background, <laughs> and the truth of yeah. it is we do. all have a diverse background, <laughs> right? I mean, That's you true. guys too. Every one of us has a diverse background because we have the opportunity to change jobs and do fun stuff. I think people need to push themselves into stepping up to the next level, right? Like I've been lucky in my career. I've worked, of course, at the local level. I worked at the forest level, state office level, regional um, level, national level, and I even did a detail with the Department of the Interior. So I think all of that has helped me understand the governance structure that we operate in. And I think when you know what the governance structure is, you know what pathways you have to push to try and affect change. Um, and, and I like to think <laughs> that I still keep that focus on the ground too. And tr I try very hard not to forget why we're fighting the fights we're fighting and why we're doing the things we're doing. It is not for some ego or to be the boss of the universe. It is truly to make the job better for somebody at that tip of the spear, you know? And, and I think I spent enough time there and developed some great relationships with folks that are still there, you know, as I as I've moved moved up. But I but I do I've tried to pay attention to the pathways and the, and the true governance structure to to maybe make things better for people. Yeah, I think it's the boots on the ground that we always should think about when we're making decisions. Yeah, um, learning anything like that, like they're the ones that we. And I do that to my, myself, too, and I think I know Carrie does, is that when we do anything, it's like, wh how will this affect the boots on the ground? Will it make life better for them, or will it make it worse? And that's where we should always concentrate on, like, the boots on the ground. Absolutely. And, and y you know, that's that whole thing. you got to step out of the gates of NIFSI to, to do that, right? And I think we're all, we all try very hard to, to do that. And I think you're, this podcast is a cool opportunity to help bridge the gap between you know, the different layers of our complex world. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Well, that was our hope to get behind the scenes and, mm -hmm. and talk to people such as yourself and us. Yes. <laughs> yeah. and, and just the what we do, uh, what we've done to get to where we are and, um, and the little sacrifices or not sacrifices because it's a fun job as well. Yeah. But... I'm going to use that to switch gears a little <laughs> bit <All right>. <laughs> <laughs> because you have a unique situation that people um, that you actually mentioned to me. And I thought, yeah, that is a good angle to talk about um, being a single mother and, oh, yeah. and um, actually still doing uh, the firefighting and, and this job. Cause it can be hard for anyone being away from your family and trying to build a family. And it might deter people from applying, especially women. Cause if they want to have kids, but you're an example that you can do this. <laughs> and so how did you navigate that, um, being a single mother working in wildland fire? 
it's it's interesting. I mean, everything's a crazy journey, and I have to say, um, my when I was expecting my son, Carrie Bilbao hosted my baby shower. <laughs> nice. I love all these connections. <laughs> I know. So yeah, so that's been a long time ago now because my son is sixteen, mm-hmm. and and it has been a journey, and I have to give props to my kiddo, you know, for flexibility and for being super on board with with stuff i mean i he didn't have a huge choice but luckily he's he has been um very flexible and and good and you know i i think i think for me i started angling towards something less operational when when i knew that i wanted to have a have a, a kiddo and i started looking at ways where i could still contribute to the to the greater picture like to like you said Jennifer to the boots on the ground what can I still do that's going to give me a feeling of um, accomplishment productiveness um, sense of belonging into this to this culture that that I grew to love so much and so you know, my first step was uh, into the the prevention realm, and <laughs> as Jennifer knows, that that's not for that's a busy, busy um, for the place. Faint of heart, for yes, sure. yes. Like I remember when Grant was a, a baby. One Saturday, I had like seven different events I had to be at. Right, <laughs> like that was that was crazy stuff. But um, but I did start angling, and and some of my details started you know, helping me along the way to get to get someplace where I could contribute a little bit different. And um, I think uh, that has been helpful, you know, opportunities. I've had so many great people open doors for me and show me pathways I didn't know existed. And that's cool. And I, I think we all need to do that for each other. You know, I think First of all, I think people need to not wait to the last minute to try and find something else. We need to be a little more proactive, I, I think, you know, like, sure. um, if so. you know, if possible. It's not always possible, right? right? But if possible, try and be proactive. And But I think we need to help each other and help each other, you know, diversify and, and find some of those different pathways that are out there. And, you know, it wasn't super easy that I think one of the craziest jobs, the training center manager or the gator job was that was full on fire hose every (laughs) single day. Like, you know, um, and Grant would come in and help me make coffee. And then I would (laughs) get the class started and run him to school. And then I'd pick him up and he'd have to come wait for the close out of the class. You know, (laughs) he knew everybody. I mean, still to this day, he knows like, when I go places, people are always asking about Grant, and I'll say, oh, so-and-so said to say hi, and he'll say, oh, what are they up to these days? You know, it's yeah. like, this is all part of his world, and yeah. I, I think that was, that has served me well to make it part of his world. He belongs in this culture, um, too, and he has a lot of connections and, and people in it. Uh, he has always understood that I have to work. It's not, it's not as though I can just say, oh, I'm not going to work, you know, but I've tried to always really acknowledge his sacrifice. If I'm going to be gone, we talked about it when he was little, you know, we, we still talk about it, but now he's like, oh, okay. (laughs) Okay. Whatever. (laughs) But then he's not that interested anymore. Yeah. I mean, he is, he, he (laughs) is, but he's just so much more independent. Right. But like, uh, we would talk about it and I would say, okay, if, if mom does this, 
here's here's the deal. You're going to need to, you know, go to grandma's or go to, you know, my, my aunt's going to come stay with you or whatever that looks like so that I can do this. And I need to do this because it will help me in my job and I'll get some overtime and we can do something special. And so he, he you know, I talked to him about it. I didn't just make it ha I didn't just say, well, I'm, I'm taking off. You know, I really tried to talk to him about it. And when he was little, I would always bring him a book from wherever I was, like, you know, if I was in D.C. for a couple weeks or if I was on a fire in New Mexico for a couple weeks or whatever, I would bring a book back from where I was and we would have, we called it a family camp out when I'd get back. He would get to come sleep in my bed with me and we would read the book and that was the only time he ever got to sleep <laughs> with me, you know. So we tried to make it kind special. of yeah, special. Yeah. And when I was hiring people, you know, I'd say, I've got, I've got to fill these jobs, but I want to run these candidates by you. I'd already know who I was going to yeah. pick or what, you know, who I was going to offer the job to. But I would talk to him about it and I would say, I really like this person because this is what they have. What do you think, bud? Do you think that's a good choice? And he'd say, yeah, mom, I really do. <laughs> and so he felt like he's part of it. He was a piece of what it was I was, was doing, you know, so I tried and it was really crazy actually when um, I got the job offer for the Lessons Learn Center job, it was at the beginning of the pandemic, right? So Grant was doing, they were doing school from home. I was working from home. And uh, Chad Fisher uh, sent me a note and on Teams and said, hey, um, can I talk to you at, you know, two o'clock today? I want to run something by you kind of thing. And I was I typed him back. I said, "Sure, I'll be I'll be up on Teams at at two or whatever." Well, Grant was sitting at the kitchen island, just feet from me, when Chad called me, and I thought, "I wonder if I'm getting a job offer, or maybe he has a question about training because uh, I was coordinating with him on some training stuff." And so, up pops Chad on the screen, and he says, "Kelly, you you know we." want to offer you the director of the Lessons Learned Center job or whatever and says some things or whatever. And I'm thinking to myself, don't look at Grant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's like sitting six feet from me, yeah. looking straight at me, but I'm like, don't make eye contact with him. <laughs> and I was like, oh, thanks, Chad. You know, and we, we talked about it or whatever. And as soon as I said, okay, well, uh, I'll talk to you later. And I hung up and I just barely had time to bring my gaze up to Grant. And he jumped oh. up and he ran over and he just gave me the biggest hug. And it was oh. so cute. He said, you done good, kid. I, you know, it's just like, who sees their parents get a job yeah. offer? You know I, what I mean? So he's just, awesome. he's just been a part of all of it. And um, and we we talk about, you know, opportunities and and times when I have to be away or, or whatever in a really open way. And I, I think that's been very helpful. And I also think having job satisfaction on my part, getting to do really cool jobs is, is helpful too. So, and Chad, who's a fire director for yeah. National Park Service, yeah. he is actually getting ready to retire. He is. Yeah. I know. He's yeah. got less than a month. So going to be yeah. big changes for us. Yeah. Yeah, big changes, big big shoes to fill. For sure. He's <laughs> been such an advocate for this program. You know, and it that the Lessons Learned Center can make some people kind of nervous because it's not it's not like, you know, stuff that comes from NWCG, for example, gets vetted and approved. It goes through committees. It's 
it's all this stuff because it has to be. It's standards. It's, you know, policy. It's whatever. The Lessons Learned Center, we can't really have that tied to sideboards if we're going to truly be a learning organization. If you start vetting everything and sanitizing everything and all of that, it's it gets real tricky and the lessons can get lost. And, and Chad has been an amazing advocate for us, um, you know, as, as the center has, has grown and evolved and morphed and, you know, all, all those things. So we will, we will miss Chad. That's a good point you make though. I mean, things get lost if you sanitize it too much. Yeah. You, it's not, it's not authentic dialogue or, you know, that kind of stuff. It can, it can be hard. And I, standards are critical. I mean, I, I think we got to We've got to have that in, in our business for sure. But we've, we've got to have this, you know, other piece where we're learning and growing and talking. And, you know, like I said, inquiry, opportunity and dialogue, that's all at the heart of, of learning and, too many sideboards on on that can really put a damper on learning. So yeah, one other topic that we wanted to discuss today um, that goes along with lessons learned. It's kind of a year in review. Um, we did just finish up uh, fire year 2022, heading into fire year 2023. Is that crazy? I know. <laughs> I know. That's so crazy. In February, nonetheless. Yeah. Uh, fire tw year 2023. Um, but last year we had more than um, 68,000 wildfires reported nationally, which burned over 7.5 million acres, which um, above average um, number of fires, but about average that we're seeing as acres burned. But that's still a lot of acres burned. Yeah, um, for sure. A lot of lessons learned in there, <laughs> too. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but how does the 2022 c stats compare um, for the Lessons Learned Center to mm -hmm. previous years? Yeah, I think, you know, one thing that I want to make sure, I'm glad you asked this because it's prompting me to, to remind folks that the Lessons Learned Center, we, the reports that we get are the reports that we get. We know there are lots of lessons occurring. Like you give that stat of number yeah. of acres, yeah. or like there's a lot of stuff that we aren't getting. So we always want to encourage people, I think putting in a plug for, Get us information, things that you've learned, things that you wish somebody had told you or things that you think might keep other people safer, more efficient, more effective at their job. Um, you know, we can't be everywhere. As I said, we're not writing these reports, but we'll sure help you write your reports. We'll guide you along the way, give you templates, ask you the right questions, all of that stuff. So, so we always want to encourage people contact, you know, you can contact me um, anytime and, and we'll get the staff, you know, engaged to help however. So, and that's a good point too. Like we were talking about, or you mentioned just the good things that happened too, to show situations that, Hey, this all went well and yeah. you might not be getting that information. And a lot of that does come from the after action reviews that mm -hmm. all firefighters will go through after sh exactly. end of shifts um, or end of fires, um, what went well, what didn't go well. Um, that's a good time for them to reflect and review what happened. But yeah. a lot of times those aren't getting up to that level to exactly. share. Yeah, the, the um, after action review is the, you know, the yeah. entry level of a review, right? That's where you, 
you sit and you have inquiry about, hey, what, what, what did we plan? What actually happened? You know, you have that you set the opportunity aside to have that dialogue. So then the dialogue comes in and that's where that's that is a learning review right there after action review. So, yeah, if somebody's in there like, hey, we should write this down, you know, then the next level might be a rapid lesson sharing. And um, and that's where the basic question is, what do you wish you knew? <laughs> what do you know now that you wish you knew uh, before you engaged in in the the event or whatever. So yeah, you're, you're right on Carrie. The, the after action review is, is a key to it. And so, and if people just give us a call, flip us an email and Hey, is this something then, you know, we can, we can really help. It's, I think it's a little daunting to think, you know, you see, 68,000. Yeah, you, <laughs> you might get 68,000 requests. <laughs> yeah. so I'll be going to the overhead asking for increased staffing. <laughs> but but at any rate, it's, you know, there's a lot of stuff out there that we're not hearing. And the more of these, you know, data points or clusters of events, the more analysis we can do and the more we can truly change things. Is it something we need to change with our equipment or our policy or or whatever so so yeah if we want people to to share those lessons with us and then we can share the lessons and you know I think people look at a finished report and they're like I don't have time to write that which is probably true in the middle of fire season you know to an extent but let us take it you just have to feed us the info too so so that's I think that's an important thing but when we when we think about you know, fire season 2022 and what what we saw at the Lessons Learned Center, we had over 130 different learning reports that came in to the Lessons Learned Center. And those are, like I said, RLSs, um, FLAs, serious accident investigations, LLRs. They're the whole, all the alphabet soup of every kind of report you can come up with. That's, that's what we got. Um, and those were you know, related to a, a variety of different types of events. We had, um, and we're actually working on crunching our numbers right now and getting our final reports out for, you know, our annual incident review summary that looks at everything and and some of those kinds of things. Um, and we'll probably do uh, an episode of our podcast that highlights more specifically, but I can tell you um, we had a lot of hit, what we call hit by events. So hit by trees, um, hit by rocks. We had hit by a bucket drop, you know, significant injuries uh, with that. Uh, the hit by trees, we had some of those were limbs and some of them were actual trees. And we, I think we had something like 22 different events of hit bys. And those, uh, they have a pretty, um, most of the time, you you see this they you know the the narrative of the piece will or of the event will tell you you know what generally what happened and then the medical response and a lot of times the the medevac there's key pieces to a medevac lessons in there so it's it's you know the actual event and then and then the medevac and then sometimes there's some follow up types of things but um, but we certainly did have. We had three fatalities, hit by tree fatalities. We had the um, Big Swamp fire, the Rum Creek fire, and then we had the Calaveras Big Tree State Park um, fatality from from California as well. And those were those were tree strikes. So that you know that was 
something we saw this year uh, that, uh, you know, was a, a, a bit of an anomaly for us, I, I, I guess you'd say. Heartbreaking. Right. Yeah. But for uh, us, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Yeah. We had um, a variety of incidents related to uh, heavy equipment, and these were kind of all over the board, different, you know, dozers, uh, heavy equipment rollover, heavy equipment that, you know, knocked a tree over, that, some of that, some of that kind of stuff. We had, uh, again, a lot of variety in uh, UTV, ATV accidents. I think we had something like 18 of those where they were, you know, rollovers or where the, the ATV, UTV catches on fire, some, some of those kinds of things. So a lot of lessons in, in that. We, we may do some deeper diving into that here in the upcoming months. We had a handful of entrapments, and one of the things that we saw with those was some of those entrapments, a portion of those, were related to vehicles becoming disabled, either not, you know, getting high-centered, getting stuck, things like that, and, and then firefighters, you know, became entrapped. So that was, that was something else. Um, and then we, did, we saw a few burn injury um, you know, injuries this year. We generally, we do see a few burn injuries, but a, a few of them, at least three or four of them maybe were ash pits or stump hole burns, people stepping into ash pits or, or stump holes. And that's, that's something that's pretty, pretty serious injuries. Um, and, you know, some things to be watching for out there. So, so yeah, we'll have um, in the upcoming Next couple of weeks, hopefully, we'll have some um, a little bit of analysis um, out. You know, one yeah. th one thing that is always interesting for us too is, you know, people will say, "Well, there's a trend. We're getting, you know, um, chap nicks. It's a trend," and it's kind of interesting to think of it in terms of trend because is it a trend that we're getting chap nips, or are we just, you know, hearing about more people nipping their their chaps and uh, so rather than trend we tend to think of it as like a cluster of occurrence or you know events happening so it's a lot of times people will say oh you're the director of the lessons learn center what are the trends and it's <laughs> like well <laughs> I, d I don't know but I can tell you about some events that we've had and yeah. there's been a cluster like last year we had a whole cluster of pretty sketch entrapments right like some really wild events that with insane fire behavior and i mean you guys in external yeah. affairs know about all those you know but it, is it a trend i i don't know you know it's a yeah. it's a cluster of occurrence yeah. and we try and look at those and do some analysis on it and see what's what's similar about events what's different about events and you know that that kind of stuff kind of might be driving that and um, even the tree strikes mm -hmm. i mean and entrapments i mean you can kind of is it is it environmental are we exactly like saying, we're seeing more extreme fire behavior they're in these places um with more extreme fire behavior maybe that's part of it yeah something that needs to be looked at so yeah for sure Yeah, a lot of good information comes out. I mean, we get those. I think you you mail, email those out to us, <coughs> I think, every month. And so it's good just to see that, like, where things are. We have those questions for sure. Yeah, yeah, we we throw it out there. We <laughs> we want people asking. We want people reading it and, 
and following following it up. And you know, we do we we have a mailing list people can get on. We do a, a podcast ourselves. Um, we have a blog that's really uh, popular. So we try and we try and get people talking and reading and on all those things uh, in everything we do. Well, we appreciate it. Well, thank you're you. You're doing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I think we're coming on time here. <laughs> but um, anything in closing you want to um, talk about, like uh, any advice you want to give people in <laughs> jobs or how about your favorite memory working in the job? Oh, That's always a good one. Cause that that, yeah, I, I have so many good memories. I've been so blessed with the places I've been and, and the people that I've worked with. And, you know, it's, <laughs> it's probably like cliche to say, but of course my best memory are back when I was on the line, you know, yeah. it's not when I was sitting in a meeting yeah, and right, presented sure. this thing. Right. <laughs> so I think, I think one of my favorite memories was the, uh, it was called the Grimmett Creek Fire on the Payette way back a long time ago. It was when I was a repeller at Price Valley. And we, uh, you know, there were uh, four of us from PV and two from Crassel repelled it. I was the IC. And I remember uh, the jump plane was circling and they were going to throw jumpers. And Dennis McCoy, who was like an awesome, awesome dude, awesome smoke jumper. I love Dennis. Um, Dennis was the spotter circling and I'm getting people engaged and we're throwing bucket drops at it. And I remember Dennis is saying, oh, it's too windy. It's too windy to jump. Um, you know, and I remember him reporting back to pay a dispatch that we'd need to get a, at least one type one crew out there to help them the next day and all of this. And I'm just like pounding it. And I, I, I remember Seth Weber was on there with me. I mean, there were some like really great, it was a great group we had on that fire. And um, we were we were just pounding, and we were lucky to have a Type One helicopter, g you know, giving us bucket drops. But uh, the jump plane left. The pay it dispatch called for an update, you know, like a bit later, and I was able to say, "We're going to be demobing um, <laughs> four of the repellers tomorrow. We got this thing lined, and it's soaking wet." And I remember thinking, "Yeah, <laughs> the repellers yeah. did this." <laughs> I mean, it's so cheesy. It's so cliche. And, but that was like one of those fires where I was just like, oh, yeah, we got yeah. this thing. Yeah. You know, jumpers can't jump too windy, you know, yeah. and awesome. they think we need a hot shot crew. Nope, we got it. So I don't know. It was just kind of fun when you when you think about your some of your favorite fire yeah, memories. Yeah. That was that was one of them. Yeah, you're like, yes, I we're going to get we always like the digs too. Oh, we got it before yeah. the shotguns yeah. right here. Oh yeah, repellers. We got it before the jumpers came. I mean, it's always <laughs> it's, it's always all somebody, in, and it's all in fun. It's, it's like oh, it is. Oh yeah, we can get there on an engine. Oh no, we don't. Need, I mean, it's so funny. Yeah. It's and yeah, totally. And you're friends with everybody. Everybody. That's thing. Yeah, like I said, I Dennis was <laughs> just an amazing, awesome, awesome dude. I got along super well with him. But it was just yeah. so cool that you know we were we were demobing, and I remember dispatch saying what, <laughs> <Is that laughs> and I'm what? like, I'm like. I mean, the humidity on the hill from all the water we put on <laughs> it was just crazy. And it was just, it was just super, super fun. Yeah. And those, 
those are the things that I think keep us in in the business. Right. You know, it's like those those memories and thinking about when all things the things turned folks. out well. Yeah. Yep. yep, that was a good. <laughs> or <laughs> even when they kind of went gunny sack, but you yep. still you readjusted plans right. yep. and you worked around that and 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 made it work. And everybody was working hard and um, and laughing. You know, that's that's the thing. Having having those, a good yeah. time. I think those small fires are the ones. Like if you go back with memories, same thing. Those small fires. Where there's a handful of you and you're like, oh yeah, we kicked it, we got yeah. it. it. Just you, no matter who, if you're just the engine and you hiked in and you had the hose lays and you're like, yeah, we got it. So yeah. it's just like, yeah, it's just. I or think those small memories are fun. Those memories of going like two weeks without a shower, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, it's like eating <laughs> oh. MREs, before yeah. cell phones, no <laughs> contact, 21 days. Yes, well, I, yeah. Let's be real. I know. You remember how I started out saying my parents were like they did my SF 171. Right. They're like, you got to do this, and then they were like wait, you're actually on the line? <laughs> you know, you're actually going out there fighting the fire. Yeah, that's yeah. what wait, this whole that's job what you applied was. Me for. <laughs> that's what you put me down for. And I, I think they uh, had some regrets definitely <laughs> over the years that uh, their only daughter was going two weeks without a shower and <laughs> they wouldn't hear from me forever. Which we you loved know. every minute. Yeah. I know, yeah, I know. Nice. They raised me to be that way, exactly. so that's kind of their fault. <laughs> Yeah, my SF one. It was all handwritten cursive. Yeah. I, I still have mine too. Yeah, that's so hilarious. Funny. Yeah, it's it's kind of fun to get into the EOPF too and see. Like I, I looked and I was like, that's the day I started as a permanent person. Yeah. You know, and I don't know. Kind of interesting when you have over thirty years of yeah. history right there. It's it's interesting. Good times. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Good times with good friends. Yes. I know. I know. We I got to get together today. Me too. I so I feel so honored to get to sit down with you and um and you know, I know I'm Park Service and this this is BLM, but I, I think it's also important to to note that I am a Park Service employee, but we serve every agency. We serve all the feds, we serve all the states, we serve all the local, we serve at, you know all of it. So just because I get paid from the park service, I'm just as likely to be spending my time working on a BLM project or a, you know, city of, you know, wherever project. So we're, we're all about everyone. So don't let the park service email intimidate <laughs> yeah. people yeah. from getting a hold of me. So, yeah. That's a good point. For we're sure. all in this together. Yes. Yes, we are. <laughs> and to make it better. Yes. And LLC is here to help us make it better. That's what we try and do. <laughs> yes. So in closing, thank you, Kelly, again for coming today Thanks and talking about me. the Lessons Learned Center and how you got into fire. Great story. We could probably do this for another hour oh, sure. and <laughs> talk <sure>. about <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> stories. And People and might get tired <laughs> of <Yes>. hearing us. <laughs> yes. But yeah, really uh, appreciate you explaining what the Lessons Learned Center is, because a lot of people maybe not know, um, now maybe have an opportunity to go check it out. And I'll make this plug for your podcast as well, because there's good information um, through uh, what you're putting out there too. And so, yeah, keep Thanks. that up. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This yeah, was awesome. The great. Yeah. The podcast, your Two More Chains blog i mean there's such great i mean information out there from you guys so Good again learning thanks kelly for joining us today it's been great appreciate it spending Thank time you. with us to learn more about nipsey or the blm 
please visit our website at www.nifc.gov. If you have questions, comments, or even topic suggestions for future podcasts, email them by visiting the nifc.gov website and scroll down to contact us. Use Wildfire Matter Podcast in the subject line. And remember to follow us at BLM Fire on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And thank you all for listening. Please join us next time when we spark a conversation with the representative from the National Wildfire Coordinating Group, or NWCG, who Kelly had mentioned, um, to talk about the group and um, what they provide in national leadership and inoperability for wildland fire operations among federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial partners. Until then, stay safe and be wildfire aware. aware.